This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Spring training is underway. Full squad workout happening today, or maybe has happened. And our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer, is right there in the thick of it. And she is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hello, Shannon. Hello, guys. How, how's the weather down there, first and foremost? Is it is it nice? Much better than last year. In fact, it's pretty much been picture perfect for this time of the year. Highs in about the mid-70s, lows mm. not too bad at night. I've only been here for a few days, so I haven't seen any rain, but a dramatic turnaround from the last two years. Yeah, we were we were about to get swept away last year when we were there. It was dumping. So hopefully it'll hopefully it'll maintain this this level of uh, warmth when we're out there. It, it can rain next week when Brock and Salk are there, but when we get there, we need we need sun and warmth. So, uh, well, what was your uh, full squad workout? What was uh, what were some of the things that stood out to you? What stood out to me. Early- this group is, uh, you know, they are very focused on what they want to do this year. I know there has been so much that has happened this offseason, and I think it has been uh, addressed even before the players got to camp. I think you've heard the stories of Scott Service and Jerry DePoto to some extent making the rounds, traveling to see and talk to people and having ongoing conversations with people. And I think that that has really kind of helped make it a non-issue coming into spring training, what happened this off season. And instead they're focused on what didn't happen last season and they didn't make the postseason. And I think you're probably reading the headlines, got the piece up on Seattle sports in the last 10 minutes, but uh, hungry is the word. And Scott service uh, has said it. Julio Rodriguez tweeted it even before camp talked to Mitch Haniger today and he, he agreed with it and said it's the most complete team a most solid team that he has seen in the time that he has been with the Mariners heading into a season. So I don't want to say that, you know, they're a group, oh, they're going about the business of getting ready for a season because it doesn't really feel like that. It feels to be actually almost a different enthusiasm, and perhaps that goes with some of the players that they brought in. You know, you got a younger player like, um, like Rayleigh who you kind of feel that enthusiasm from. He definitely is somebody that kind of lightens up a room. And when he comes into a room, he's a big presence. He is a a big guy. Polanco seems to be fitting in just fine. And it's um, Mitch Hanniger having him back. One of the interesting things with him and talking with him today is he was always kind of the lead by example guy. And today he said, look, you know, I know that when I was a younger guy, I was trying to ask questions to the veterans all the time. I want to be there for that. And I actually want to initiate those conversations and uh, to have him and his presence back in the lineup. I know you talk about the games that he misses, but there's a lot of mileage that you can get out of that presence as well. And now he adds a core that has another year under their belt and does have that kind of bitterness of we thought we should have made it last year and we didn't. So it's an interesting mix uh, when you get in the middle of it all and you just kind of try and feel it out. But all in all, it has been a good feel early on in camp. Hey, Shannon, we just uh, played a clip from Julio Rodriguez, and uh, he talked about his sophomore slump and just how he's going to use that. It just sounded sounded awesome to me. I mean, he just, uh, I don't know, I, I felt like he's very mature for his age and, and things like that, and I just really liked the things he said. Um, just tell us about, tell us your reaction to his response to some of the some of the dry spells that he had last year. 
You know, I've been thinking about that a lot, and I don't know that I want to give away the post that's going to be up later tonight on Seattle Sports, but to me, I heard everything that I needed to hear, and I didn't know that I was going to hear that because I didn't hear that last year. Hmm. Um, I, I think that there was kind of a, I don't know if accountability on his part is the right word. And people look at his season and they're like, oh, it's a 5.6 war season. He was fourth in the MVP voting. How can you call that a sophomore slump? But the truth of the matter was the majority of that came in a month and a half's time. And it was spectacular. And it was every bit MVP in that time. But there was a slow start and there were prolonged struggles. And I kind of wondered, you know, if he had thought that at the time. A lot of the comments that he had at the time were, you know, things happen in baseball. That's baseball. You don't really want to hear that. Well, that's not what he said today at all. And and I write off, you know, in retrospect, a lot of the things he said. And I thought at the same time, he's very young in this. And he doesn't know what he should and what he shouldn't say. And, you know, you have to give him room to grow into that. Uh, What we saw today I don't want to say it was very polished because there really wasn't any good polish. Sometimes comes a air of insincerity. I didn't see that at all. But it was, um, it, it was, uh, I, I think, very direct. And it, it made me, you know, realize, yeah, he did see what I think some of us saw with a bit of a more critical eye. And that's only because his bar is as high as they can come. So to see him come out and uh, say that, you know, that was not his standard last year, despite the fact that he was fourth in MVP voting and despite the fact that he is a superstar already in Major League Baseball. And to hear what we heard from people around the organization and people who had been in touch with him and seen him in the offseason, I think it is something to get very excited about. I think he is, you know, is kind of poised to make an even bigger step this year. And if that's the case, you know, the sky is the limit for him. He's getting closer to the sky. One guy, Shannon, that we talked about that could have a huge impact on this lineup if he can get back to his previous form is Ty France. And we've seen the videos of him working out at driveline in the offseason and doing different, you know, different exercises outside of just working in the cage. Does he look, and I know you're, you've only been there a couple of days, but does physically, does he look different? Does his conditioning look any different than he's looked in the past? Yeah, he looks great. You know, he's always going to be a bigger guy, and he has always been a guy that really hits the weights. You know, that's that's just kind of part of who he is and he's played well at that at that size and that form uh for a long time but the you know he does look a little bit different and that's what driveline does they're not just a hitting and pitching instruction uh facility they are you know cutting edge in getting somebody into the absolute perfect shape and that doesn't just mean how they look it means how they move and how they most efficiently move and that doesn't mean just for, you know, moving across the room. That means the swing and the flexibility and everything else. So I think there's no doubt he got a lot out of what he did there. And uh, with him, I think there's a determination as well. He didn't like doing what he did last year. And he's also, it's kind of fun to see, you know, he and J.P. Crawford are kind of best buddies on the team. And J.P. went before him in doing that. But to see them together, to see J.P. with the encouragement, they tweeted out a little interaction that was in, uh, one of the batting sessions today between the two of them, which was kind of fun. But um, just, uh, you know, you have to be optimistic because you know he knows how to hit. There's there's little question about that. He's hit at every level. He's hit very well at every level. Last year, 
He stumbled a little bit. It appears he's made changes, not just to how he does things, uh, uh, you know, in the batter's box, but his approach to getting ready for a season. And I'm very interested to see how that pays off. Yeah, I'm curious, Shannon. That's so. That must be so frustrating because, and we talk about this all the time. That in football, you know, you can always hustle more, hit harder, go lift weights more, things like that. But for a guy like Ty France, I mean, he knows he can do it. He's done it, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of, kind of goes away. What do you know uh, at Driveline? Do they also do lots of? Uh, I don't know, uh, sort of like mental preparation and things like that. I'm not saying that maybe there's a psychiatrist there or something, but uh, what about like, you know, some of the things that the, the other exercises that are non-physical, do they do that? Do they offer that same type of uh, no, training? Not that I know of. And, you know, the Mariners have that available. They've got that full time available to them, both home and the road. And, you know, Ty is, somebody who does do things a little bit differently. You know, he is somebody that is, if it isn't fixed, don't break it. He is somebody that, you know, played for Tony Gwynn. He is also somebody that has a lot of belief in how he does things and realizes that it's different. His swing is not conventional. So for him, I think the biggest hurdle is if that's not working, then you do have to do something and determining that it's not working you do have to do something. And I don't think the changes that he made were actually that drastic in the cage. But I, I think that, you know, kind of when you add a little bit of physical, a little bit of mental, and a little bit of a tweak here and there with what you're doing in the cage and your approach, I, I think that all, uh, I think, gave him enough to see that he is, I think he believes he's on the right path right now. So I haven't had the opportunity to talk to him and see if he did do something extra with a sports psychologist kind of doubt he did. I don't think he was in a terrible place mentally. I think it was a place where then one of the other things that's tough about baseball is a lot of the times in a sport that you play every day, you can only make so many adjustments or so big an adjustment. If it's something that needs to be overhauled, that has to happen in the off season. So sometimes you are playing through not just dings and dents and small, you know, being hurt. Sometimes you're playing through knowing you could do this better, but it's going to take a little bit of time, and you don't have that until the season ends. I think he kind of was falling in that um, compartment a little bit more. What was your uh, – back to Mitch Hanniger, you, you you had a chance to catch up with him or, or, or interact with him. How does he look, and what's his, what's his mindset like? I mean, we've seen this guy when he's healthy, Shannon. I mean, you know, playing over 150 games or 40 games, whatever it was, 39 home runs, 100 runs driven at him. He – that's a guy that can be a, a huge, make a huge impact in a lineup, but he's just been cursed. It feels like, I mean, some of the most random injuries that have just killed his season. So uh, I'm just curious mentally, physically, what, what was your takeaway from that brief encounter? Uh, well, he looked the same. And it's funny because when you see him, it was, I didn't know. I just, I lit up. He is somebody that, oh, it's Mitch Haniger. He's in the clubhouse. That's right. You know, he's somebody that I know he lifts teammates up and I know they looked at him. They called him their champion because that's how he carried himself when he was with the Mariners. And he was the guy that really set the example in the work. He looked like all of that. Um, you know, he is a year older. It felt like it had been a lot longer, but it's only been a year. And I do think, you know, while there were frustrations with the injuries, I don't think they ever lingered. I think the focus was always on getting better and doing what it takes to get better and get back out 
on the field. He is a guy that will look into kind of the, the absolute opposite of Ty France. He will look into everything. Some of his training methods are absolutely, you're not going to see anybody else doing them. But um, he is relentless in the physical work he does and the mental side of it as well. And uh, that's really kind of turned into the player that when he is 100%, he can be one of the best in baseball. So it was good to see him there. And I, I kind of, it was a somewhat teasing question, but uh, at the end of uh, Ryan Divish and I were talking to him and at the end of our interview, I, I said, I don't think your goal has changed in the last um, year. So when you look around this clubhouse, what do you see that will help you get toward that? And he smiled. He said, no, my goal has been the same for the last six years. And he didn't acknowledge what it was, but he knows because we, we kind of quizzed him on it and perhaps gave him a little bit of a hard time with it because it sounded kind of audacious, but it's not to him. And he has said this year after year after year. His goal is to win the World Series. doesn't matter where he is. doesn't matter who's around him. He comes to spring training every year to get ready to go out there and win a World Series. That's what he wants. And that has not changed. And so to have that in the clubhouse, um, it's just a little something extra. It's very genuine, genuine with him. He's just a competitor. So, uh, you know, I don't think the injuries have broken him down by any means, you know, maybe physically a little bit. I think he probably, you know, is a little bit slower. I, I think the defense has taken a little uh, bit of a tumble. But at the plate, I think he can still be Mitch Haniger. And certainly within his mind, uh, you know, nothing has changed along those lines. Hey, what what do you think would be a fair number to expect from him in terms of games played? I, I think I said if they could get 100 games out of him, that'd be a huge year. Because, I mean, it, realistically, it's just not what he's done. He's only had two seasons in his entire career over 100 games. So, to me, I kind of set that mark. I had people saying, man, you're setting the bar way too low. What, what's, a, what's a fair expectation considering – what he's gone through physically, where he's at in his career. What, what do you think is a reasonable number to say? If he plays this many games, that's a win. I don't know because, I mean, half of his injuries have been getting hit by a baseball, you know? I mean, there's just been luck, bad luck that's been thrown into that. I, I think with him, when you're breaking down what the injuries are and what the concern is, is he's had a number of core injuries and has been a little bit slow to heal in those and had problematic returns from that. So, I think that, you know, more than anything, that is what you have to take care of. And uh, he is somebody that's going to want to go out there and play every day. And I don't know what the balance is going to be and how they are going to work that. But when you take into consideration that a good amount of the time that he has missed has nothing to do with anything with him physically other than getting in the way, uh, that for me makes it hard to, to predict what that would be. You know, the more games, obviously the bigger the win with him. But just because he hasn't played 150 games, you know, I don't think, you know, he's still preparing himself for 162. And all things being equal, I think he would be ready for that. So uh, I just, you know, I think you hold your breath because of the history, but you know that he's gone out there and done everything he can to prevent that. And the only one thing that I, you know, that I really look for with him is anything in the core, perhaps a little bit of a back, you know, but know that he's you know, looked into absolutely everything you can do to avoid that. And does every stretch and his workout. You remember the climbing that he does and just, you know, yeah. some very unconventional things, the, you know, the wrestling, the giant ball, uh, you know, things like that. It, he does everything differently. So I can't, because of the kind of freakish 
accidents that he has had. I, I can't, they're not accidents, they're within the game. I really, I cannot make a prediction in what that could be. Yeah, Shannon, just tell him, uh, stop getting hit by baseballs. That'll, that'll yeah, just to, just tell him to move out of the yeah. way. Yeah, why don't you move out of the way? Yeah, that's what you got Ty France for. You don't need to get yeah, in the way geez. of any baseball. Yeah, he handles those just fine. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, is uh, I was we we're trying to remember the name of the pitching machine. Was it last year or two years ago? When is that it traject? Is that traject? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Any uh, any fancy gizmos down there this year that you can that you can see yet, Shannon? And are they all in Logan Gilbert's either. gym bag? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there is. Yes, Logan Gilbert has a new toy. Oh, boy. Uh, you know the big water ball. Now apparently, there's a smaller water ball too, and he's working out in a different location, so you don't see it all anymore. You have to go looking for it. I hope he's got the oven mitt this year. That was cool. Oh yeah, I don't think that's gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. No, I, I seriously, as far as the staff and like shutting guys down and you know there there's a fair number of guys that that um you know have, have had injury problems and things like that and and then also just you know every year they get more you know advanced as far as treatment and prevention and things like that but is that going to be something that that's going to be a, a big part of you know of the the medical staff, basically, right? I mean, you've got a lot of guys that are, you know, have have had injuries and going to need. It seems like a little bit of special attention. But hey, if you get lucky, like you said, I mean, I, that's the thing with Hanniger. I've always been like, I've always defended him. Like he's not a, he's not injury prone. He's he's accident prone, actually. Um, but yeah, is that that going to be a, a big, probably something that's going to happen a little bit more, and that we can all just assume that they're erring on the side of caution as far as far as shutting guys down. Well, I think you know on the pitching side, you're going to watch it carefully because they are so pitching dependent. And I think that you know the one that you watch the most is Brian Wu because he has had the Tommy John surgeries and he has not pitched a lot, period, in life, let alone you know in his professional career. Uh, so you think, you know, he'll go into that five slot in the rotation and they'll have the ability to skip him. Or when they push, you know, when you've got the off days, you get pushed out further. So I think that will benefit him. And I think there's, you know, everything else that they have. I think they're cutting edge when it comes to arm health and what they do for their pitchers. And then on the other side, I think when you look at their makeup, if they make it healthy out of spring training, they've got pretty good depth as far as covering different positions. You know, you don't have guys that have to play every day. And I look at the outfield in particular, and I don't think that it is going to be a situation where you have three permanent outfielders and a bench guy or even a straight platoon at any position. I think it is going to be you have four, three outfielders in Julio, four outfielders total, and you rotate the three that are not named Julio. And you kind of put them in where you have the best, uh, platoon advantages or somebody's got a strength against another pitcher. And I think that having four players for that spot rather than a guy that just fills in every once in a while, I think that's going to help keep them healthy. Uh, Mitch Garver, I know there's some thought that, well, if he's not catching this year, that should extend what he's able to do. Uh, it's just really not enough of a history to know, you know, how you keep him on the field or, or why it, it has been kind of a challenge at different spots, hopefully not catching very much will help that. But, you know, I think that you will have days 
when you do want to perhaps put somebody in that DH spot, they'll have the ability to do that. If everybody stays healthy, you're not going to be looking to a minor league call-up for that spot. Or, like last year, in the last couple of months, you're not going to be looking for a minor league call-up, not to replace your permanent DH, but to be your DH. You know, you've, you've kind of really filled out the lineup with experienced players, and I, I think that that will help. There's always been a lot of talk of getting guys' days off, and it's always been very hard because the injuries do come up. If this year, I think it's going to help them out a lot if they can get out of spring training early and they can at least get a little bit of runway where everybody is healthy before things happen and they do in baseball, I think that will help because it has been a challenge to get, you know, guys you're looking back to, you know, Gino or Ty France over at first base or Seager when he played for them. I think there are times they really would have liked to have gotten them a little bit more time off, but they just couldn't do it because you could not take them out of the lineup. I think you're going to have options this year and that will help. Shannon, good stuff. We appreciate it. Have fun out there and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good guys. There you go. Our Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer joining us live from Peoria as they had their fir- first full squad workout today. And we'll continue to get updates from what's happening out there and see who's shining. Hopefully everybody's shining out there. Everybody's healthy. They're, they're optimistic. The weather's good. Let's hope that's the part that is really going on. I mean, if the team's healthy, that's fine. We need the weather to be good when we get out there, Dave. That's really what everybody cares about. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> our lived, comfort. I lived down there for for a number of years, and uh, it was always kind of a treat when it rained down there. Well, we had a really nice treat last year, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we were worried about getting electrocuted or knocked off the air. It was a it was a bit of a storm. So. I did get the uh, house scouting report. That was the first thing I asked. Oh, her. yeah. She said a lot of space, more bathrooms. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I was excited Perfect. about that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let's hope uh, Bob will need his own bathroom. That's the right. The rest of us will share. And let's hope Salk one. isn't using that one. Yeah. All right. Coming up. Is there going to be some hair removal oh, going on? Oh, geez. We're going to have to vacuum in there. We're going to have to get the Swiffer. We're, yeah. It's it's going to be like it's a, a grooming area. All right. Coming up. Which internal free agent has to be the top priority for the Seahawks team? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks once again to Shannon Dreher, our Mariners insider, joining us live from Peoria, where the Mariners have full squad workouts underway. Spring training is there. The weather's nice out there. Love hearing it. Can't wait for the season to start. I hope it rains. (laughs) <laughs> what's the matter with you i don't know we bring that doom and gloom don't speak that evil in here I, if you want to train next week that's fine this week next week just not when we're there i'll be fine we're still in arizona we're on vacation doesn't I, matter <laughs> we're on vacation we're still working out there oh yeah that's right that's right we're still doing shows hey so i was looking at this list last night from spo track of uh seahawks free agents and we talked about leonard williams here, here's the complete list for listeners who aren't aware of the of everybody else. So you got Leonard Williams, Bobby Wagner, Drew Locke, Phil Haynes, Devin Bush, Noah Fant, Jordan Brooks, Evan Brown, Daryl Taylor, Mario Edwards, Damian Lewis, Colby Parkinson, DJ Dallas, Michael Jackson, Jake Curran, Miles Adams, and then some guys you've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, Ty Okada, Patrick O'Connell, Brady Russell. Those are. What but, about that Joshua guy? Joshua Onajogu. 
<laughs> nice work, Bob. Nice work. Onuji Ogu. I saw it when we got to that one. When we got to that one, I was reading along, and I'm like, yeah, let's yeah, get that one. That's where I decided Bob. to tap out, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but, but of this list, and again, we touched on Leonard Williams. Is there anybody you look at and say, you, you've got to bring this guy back? Yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, I, I'm hitting Drew Locke and gone, yeah, that's pretty important. You know, we went through that last year. We had a thing where it was like, well, this guy has to be back. This guy, eh, I don't care. And then these guys, we'll see you later. Yeah. And then we're doing the exercise. It's like, you got to fill out a roster, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's there are some guys like Drew Locke that you look at. But no, I mean, I think I think the two biggest names are, you know, what, what you talked about, Leonard Williams and, and Jordan Brooks. Because Bobby Wagner's on that list, it's not. And Devin Bush, yeah, yeah, it's not absolutely crucial, I don't think, for him. And then, yeah, Devin Bush, and I'm, I'm really curious if they don't do Brooks, we're talking about a whole new group of linebackers that are going to come in here. Whether they're trying to get it in the draft or through free the combo agency, of draft and free agency, maybe they bring Patrick Queen over. Perhaps they've got ties with McDonald. That. But yeah. uh, back to Jordan Brooks because he's a guy you've championed and talked about. You know, listen, this guy's just always in the right spot. He always makes the right decision. He's not the splash guy. He's not making those splash plays. He just seems to be a solid guy. Is he easily improved upon? Where if he goes elsewhere do you feel like okay you can you can find that in somebody else or do you feel like he's got a somewhat unique set of skills that it's going to be hard to duplicate what how do you how do you view him doing the right thing all the time is awesome but yeah are there a lot of guys who will do the right thing do you feel like that's a rarity that you need to hang on to well if you look at those two those two markers that you just laid out i think it's closer he's closer to being like the special guy that you can't do without um just because leadership and things like that and he's got kind of that quiet leadership we don't hear him down on the field but he's kind of a quiet guy but he started to make plays and and i I think last time we had moyer on he was talking about it and i totally agree really good in coverage you know and he that's that's really important and you know and a lot of times we judge linebackers based on what they do against the run are they being physical are they stepping up and taking on blocks and things like that but you know, just some of the nuances in in the pass game are difficult for linebackers, especially when you're dropping back in zone because there's all kinds of things that are going on behind you, and sometimes what's in front of you tells what's going on behind you, and you can't take a peek constantly. So I think he's gotten really good that way. And as I said, he's starting to make plays. He had four and a half sacks this year. You know, and in the last three years, he had two. You know, didn't have anything his rookie year. He got his pick, finally. Uh, got a, got himself a, a pick six. He forced a fumble, picked up a fumble. I mean, he he's he's starting to make that. So I think I think he this is kind of his his deal. And I think if you get him this year is going to be his his big year. And I think if you can get him into that kind of defense and running it, I think he's I think he's really important. And if I had to pick between him and Leonard Williams, I'm afraid I'd take Brooks. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, at, now, the injury part of it aside, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if he's entirely healthy, because it's the same discussion we have about Jamal Adams. Yeah. If he's not healthy, you can't do anything with him. Well, but, how, do you, how did he look when he came back to you this year? Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought he played like 
he stood out to me in the Giant game on Monday night. That was the one where he picked up a fumble. And sometimes you can tell something just off of a couple of plays. When he got that ball in his hand and, you know, uh, scored on the, the game against – it was on Thanksgiving against San Francisco at the pick six. It was only 12 yards, but still. Just you, you see that he's starting to play more free. And he's starting to to kind of go and do go beyond like just what you're taught and what your you know your uh, assignments you you start playing outside of that and you have your own kind of style and to me Jordan Brooks has that so I mean pretty impressive that he comes off that knee injury and and plays 16 games this year yeah right I mean totally and he to you looked the same in terms of planning cutting stopping the things we've talked about where Jamal yeah he can he can get going. Stopping is problematic based on that injury. Yeah. But you didn't see any lack of, I don't know, just what he had before. He looked the same as he did before physically. Yeah, it looked like he didn't have a surgery in the offseason. And the the thing is, you can't make those kinds of plays that I was just describing unless you are fully confident. And for him to have kind of that breakout year on the year that he was rehabbing his knee, it's pretty amazing. But, I mean, look – Maybe they have this whole plan of bringing Patrick Queen in. Talked about that. If you brought Brooks back, those two guys together really could be the foundation. They have Roquan Smith and and Patrick Queen there in Baltimore, and yeah. those guys are, are really important to that defense. So um, I, I don't think it's going to be Bobby Wagner, and I really think that it's going to be you know it's it, Jordan Brooks is going to be a big part of what they're doing now. If if obviously if he's not ready next year, then you know we'll we'll have to go somewhere else, whether it's the draft or free agency. But I'll be very curious to see what what happens at that position because for the first time in a long time, all of a sudden you, you're kind of desperate. Yeah. And when they drafted <laughs> Jordan Brooks, I was like, why'd they draft him? They've got KJ and and Bobby, mm-hmm. and and then you know he that was a position that they just didn't really need. But you know, and it takes a lot for me to say. I wouldn't, you know, I would pick him over Leonard Williams because I think Leonard Williams is really important. My only hesitation with him is that I'm not sure if he's exactly the kind of guy that Mike McDonald would want in his defense. If he's if he's like, oh man, I see how talented he is, you know, love the way he plays, everything, but he's just not our guy. I, I seriously doubt that. You think John would be back there going? Yeah, but we gave up a second rounder for. Him. Yeah, are you sure he doesn't fit? <laughs> well, that's are you what sure? <laughs> I was saying earlier. I would, I would not be surprised if they had that discussion like before they even hired Mike McDonald. I mean, maybe I think that was part of the interviews. That's with these exactly guys. what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, like, like, hey, let, let me see where we where we are on defense and the scheme and things like that. What do you think about this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, so and I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him to break out the film and start going through that. And I mean, that had to have been a part of it. Part of it's getting to know him, getting to, you know, figure out his leadership role, all that. But ultimately it comes down to the players and I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they looked at him and if he, and if you did, you know, like number one, what are we going to do at linebacker? Number two, what do you think about Leonard Williams? I feel like those are two of the bigger, uh, bigger question marks. Yeah. Quickly, anybody else stand out to you? I know you mentioned Drew Locke. Um, you got two of your guards on here in your center. You've got Evan Brown. You've got Phil Haynes, who really had a hard time staying healthy. And then you got Damian Lewis. Uh, Daryl Taylor's an interesting guy, which I, I don't even really know what to think of Daryl Taylor. What do you mean interesting as in um, you yes. don't want to see him anymore? Or <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look at him and say, he's not here, now what? 
because yeah. he it felt like he wasn't there a lot, he, even when he was on the field. We didn't hear his name called. He didn't seem to have a tremendous impact on a consistent basis. It just it was a really spotty year to say the least. Yeah, you didn't really figure out anything about Devin Bush either. No. Uh, speaking of linebackers, edge rushers, um, and then yeah, Phil Haynes. They were really excited about that. They gave him a pretty decent amount of money and that four million last year didn't work out. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on Lots that list. Questions. You guys can text in on that as well. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Meanwhile, there is quite a saga playing out for one Major League Baseball team. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll hear from Seahawks offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb outlining his plan for what he sees with the Seahawks offense. So stay tuned for that. It's Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Dave, has there ever been a player in any sport, football, baseball, what have you, that you looked at, the free agent, you meant, man, I would love to see that guy in a Seahawks uniform, a Mariners uniform, uh, and then they end up going somewhere else and they just flame, they're just a bust. And you're just like, ooh, glad we glad that didn't happen. Well, let's see. Cody Barton did not uh, pan out. <laughs> <laughs> People like bringing that one up. Yeah, yeah. But I, the, I would love to sit in and film in that 2021 season, 2021, I think it was. And just go through what we saw from him. Explain to people why you liked him so much. Yes. Yeah. And and then, you know what? It, it didn't work out for him. I mean, when he when he came back and then they end up, you know, did he end up signing as a free agent, I think? Uh, to, With to Washington. Washington. So, yeah, yeah and he, it just didn't work out there either. But um, there were reasons to like him, just like there are reasons to like Jamal Adams for the people that call in and say that he sucked. But, yeah, I mean, that that that's one. Um Anthony Rendon, I'm to me, I, I feel like he was he was always a guy that looked like he was very relaxed at the plate. <laughs> yeah, but he was, man, he was good. He was good, and you look at he was a guy that that would be my example of a guy I looked at and went, man, I'd love to see that guy in a Mariner uniform when he was coming out of Washington. Yeah, ended up signing with the Angels. I didn't think the Mariners would get him, but it was just one of those. Oh man, that guy. His final year with the with Washington, he hit 34 home runs, drove in 126. Hit 319, had a 412 on base for that season, and played 146 games. I mean, he just looked like this guy is a problem, man. He's just a good player, and he has been a straight out disaster for the Angels since he's been there. He's played 52 games, 58 games, 47 and 43 in four years combined. Terrible. He's, I mean, just uh, let's see, nine home runs, six home runs, five home runs, two home runs. <laughs> He just, you've gotten nothing out of this guy, and you've paid him a truckload of money. I mean, it's just, it's that was one where I, coming off that 2019 year in Washington, I daydream about that guy in a Mariners uniform. He goes to the Angels, and now I look at him and go, thank goodness. Thank goodness. And he's a guy that, you know, by by some accounts out there, I think Jonathan, <clears throat> Jonathan Papelbon tweeted about him. Somebody said he doesn't like baseball. This guy doesn't even like baseball. And Papelbon responded saying, yeah, I, I played with a guy, I can tell you, hates it. Doesn't like to play. But And, and he kind of confirmed, he didn't say he hates it here, but this is Anthony Rendon uh, 
out there at spring training talking about, you know, baseball is just a job to him. It's a lot different. Um, I'm married. I've had four kids. My priorities have changed since I was um, in my early 20s. So definitely my perspective on baseball has been more skewed. Is it still a top priority for you, though? It's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. So I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> seven in the morning or whatever time <laughs> it is. So, Did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have answered baseball? your question. So why do you keep picking at it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you technically answered it. <laughs> Thank you. And he's a guy that, you know, was like, oh, the season's too long. They need to cut games. And he, he does sound like a guy who does this because he was good at it at one point, not lately. But, mm-hmm. hey, I'm able to make a lucrative living doing what I'm doing. I'm making generational wealth. Yeah, you can hear he doesn't, you know, you love football. They had to drag you out kicking and screaming, and you were still on the outside door banging in like, <laughs> hey, just give me one more chance. You know, you love to play. You, you can hear Julio. He loves the game. You can hear just different people when they talk about it. Money and lifestyle aside, they just love and have a passion for the game. Jamal Adams loves the freaking game. I don't care what anybody says. That guy loves it. This guy's like, eh, this is what I do. I mean, I'm here. It's a priority because this is how I get paid. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I'm so glad. That the, not that they were ever entertaining it or even close to signing him. I'm just glad my wish didn't come true there, that, that Rendon ended up with the Mariners because – he seems like a bit of a turd. Yeah, well, now it, you know, it, now his batting stance makes sense to me. <laughs> it's a lazy batting stance. I don't care. I think it stance. was one of the it was one of the most noticeable, you know, because we remember we were going to do some kind of thing on the website about you know uh, imitating people's batting stances and see if you could. Rendon, I mean, anybody could could imitate him. Just look yeah. really lazy and disinterested at the plate, but. Look, man, you get to a point and, you know, it's it's the end of your life or, you know, I don't know, you're at some crossroads, whatever. You got, what do you say, four kids and a I wife. Think, yeah. You know, are you going to take that or are you going to take uh, playing with a, a bunch of sweaty dudes? You know, I mean, yeah, you're going to take your family, but you just don't say that. You know, you don't. You don't His tone is just kind of like. Yeah. Like, eh, it's a job. It's it, what I do. It's it's certainly not inspiring to fans, and it's really not inspiring to ownership and coaches and, and all that. So, yeah, I don't I don't understand why he had to. I think some guys get to a point where they, they think they're just they're too cool for baseball or they're too cool for whatever sport that they're playing. They're like, yeah, you know, and that comes from having how much money do you think he's got in the bank? <laughs> Fifty to hundred million, at least, yeah, something like that. You signed a. Let me. I gotta look up the details. Whatever, of his contract. It's, it's bleep you money is what it is. So and that's and it's kind all of what guaranteed, he's doing. Dave. Yeah, every penny is guaranteed. So he can go out there and play fifty games, forty games, whatever it is. Let's see. Signed a seven year, seven year, two hundred and forty five million dollar deal with the Angels. That's amazing. Two hundred and forty-five million. So of the seven, he's played four so far, and been a disaster. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did sound kind of, uh, I don't know, combative there to the the reporters. Maybe he was just trying to to shut the the interview down. Hey, I already I already uh, you know answered your question, whatever. But I don't know. That's that's not something that you go out and say. And and also, wasn't he kind of a punk in the uh, the 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 brawl? The brawl. He started it with yeah. Winker. Remember, he, he was injured. He had a cast on his hand, a wrap or something on his hand, and wrist. Yeah, yeah, 
Yep, he he was right there in the thick of it. I guess that was his his biggest uh, contribution that year. Yeah, and I think he was like popping off from the yeah. from the dugout, and so yeah, I mean. I don't think there's any good reason to like this guy. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious for those of you out there, just a, a player in any sport you wished would come to your team, ended up somewhere else and busted out the way Rendon has. Yeah. Because that just, to me, I'm just so glad my wish didn't come true there. Like, I was looking at that final year in Washington and going, man, he's going to be in the Mariners division now, and they've got Trout, and they, now they've got Rendon, and they've got Otani, and just sort of, Projecting yeah. forward, going, this is going to be unfair. Well, and, there seems to be something broken there. Because yeah. you, you have players like him and Trout and Otani that you just went through, and it's like they don't seem to be able to put it all together. No, no. They, they, you can't be mad at Artie Moreno. They, they've spent money. Yeah, They have spent money. It's just a matter of getting their pitching functioning at the same time as they're hitting, and it's like none of them have lined up. Yeah. By the way, uh, real quick, um, uh, one guy that I've always really liked and to the point where – Mora bought me a T-shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, Devin White, who's a linebacker for Tampa Bay, he wasn't playing. KJ Britt was playing most of the snaps at linebacker in that playoff mm. game against the Lions. I didn't see his numbers for the regular season, but he's kind of a guy that kind of tailed off a yeah. little bit. But he had a lot of good years. He did he a lot of good years. It was just this last season that he was that way. Yeah. Right? yeah, and I don't think it's because of an attitude or anything like that. Same thing with, like, Cody Barton. I mean, that yeah. guy loves football, but that's a very disturbing thing to, to hear from a guy that you're going to cheer on, right? Yeah, very much, very much so. I'm glad he's on the Angels. Uh, Ryan Grubb outlines his plan for the Seahawks offense, and it's got a familiar feel to it. We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.